0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Although, today we actually have a special guest. We have Charles Wolf, the composer for a number of different indie game titles out there. Thank you, Charles, for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you can make it because I don't normally get to talk to composers behind the games. I've only had, I believe, one before. So I'm hoping this is going to be an interesting one, and I'm sure it will be uh, because you seem like an interesting guy already. I got to talk to you a little bit in the green room. Um, But before we dive deep into any of that, the reason why we're here is to talk about you, right? You know, to get to know you a little bit better. So why don't we have you just first introduce yourself? Who are you? Absolutely. Uh, well, my name is Charles Wolfe.
1: Um, I am of Charles Wolf Music. Um, that's how you can find me on the uh, socials and whatnot. And uh, I am a freelance video game composer. Um, I also uh, do things – I write music for podcasts. I've written music for comic books. Um, I've written music uh, for several short films. Um, of my own that I've I've scored. Um, I'm looking to expand into that further, um, hopefully cool. in the future, and get more into film work. But um, for now, I am a video game composer. I write music that goes into the video games that you love to play, and um, we're working with mostly independent developers, um, usually one maybe two people on a team who are developing an indie game, and I bring in the musical elements uh, portion of the game development stuff. So I don't do uh, fully. So there is a whole game audio game designer element that it's a whole job. And mm-hmm. some people really do that. And some people are hybrid. They do both. But I am a composer uh, by training. And so that's my focus.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Before we dive into a little bit more of your background, I just want to double uh, click on that one mention that you said you do music for comic books. What is yes. that like?
1: So um, I got to do a really cool project um, back at in uh, – it was March. It started actually in February, but in March is when I actually began writing. And I worked on this project for three months. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote a 22-plus-minute uh, suite based on a, an original comic book um, by an, an amazing author, uh, Daniel Calvin. And the name of the comic is American Dreams. It's a superhero comic where a, a young Jewish boy um, at the turn of the century here in America in New York is um, kind of growing up in the middle of that uh, really pivotal time in American culture and is, uh, becomes a superhero. It's kind of a wild ride because there are Cthulhu elements. Uh, there are mm. historical figures that pop up like Houdini, Edison, Tesla, and it is a really cool Uh, book and a cool story that's being told. And so I took key scenes from the the book from American Dreams and I uh, scored them in sort of a John William-esque style. Hmm. And the actual uh, album, the suite that I did um, is available uh, to be purchased. And you'd have to go and go to Daniel Calvin's website and you can find it all there.
0: Interesting. So is the idea behind that, that you are as a consumer? Reading the comic book and listening to the soundtrack at the same time. So it's like a simultaneous experience.
1: Exactly. It's sort of gotcha. the, the new wave of uh, comic books, apparently, now is to include things like Spotify playlists. And this author, hmm. to kind of launch this, this project that's been something he's been working on for a number of years and developing, um, he wanted to go that extra mile. And having yeah. an original score uh, in, a, in a very sweeping orchestral, uh, sort of mid-century style i was really inspired by the work of eric Korngold. and Korngold is a well-regarded film composer but also a classical music composer he wrote a wonderful violin suite uh, concerto actually and mm-hmm. uh, he his work directly inspired the work of john williams in star wars so if you listen to star wars and the way that the main theme sounds there's elements of Korngold in there and uh, and that was his direct inspiration because uh, I believe that's what George Lucas asked of him, was to, uh, to use Korngold as one of the models. And so I went back to the source when I was asked to do a score um, and looked at Korngold's work and used that as a template to build out the musical styling for this world, for this turn of the century wow. amazing world. And it was a lot of fun to write a full orchestral um, using all of those skills. That something that I am excited to say that I'm getting to do more and more.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I haven't heard of that uh before from a, a comic perspective. So that's just why I wanted to kind of double down on that a little bit. Um Absolutely. but let's let's take a step back and and talk about kind of how you got into this world at all, really. Um you mentioned, you know, that you were a composer by nature, um, you know, by by background. Uh, how did you get started? Right, because I think from a video game uh, video game composer, it's a a pretty niche. Like it's it's a very specific thing, right? But yeah. I'm sure that you had was it was it more like a, a video game first? Was it a composer first? Like what was your your uh, history like?
1: Well, let me actually, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to answer it, but let me back up a little farther, actually. I think I'm like a good storyteller. Uh, I want to start from the very beginning. (laughs) Okay, Um, let's do it. So I grew up in a um, somewhat musical family. My mom was a saxophone player. My grandfather uh, was a trombone player. Um, He actually got a scholarship to go to play trombone and go to college. Fortunately, he got drafted to Vietnam the summer before he left for college, so he didn't actually do that. Um, Hmm. But there was definitely music in the background. And when um, I was a kid growing up, um, I'm from a large family. Um, I'm from California originally. I grew up in the Central Valley in Modesto, California, uh, is where I grew up. And starting as a kid, I would sing and dance and I had a toy guitar and I would run around the house and there's a video of me strumming away (laughs) off-key wallering. Um, and it was was really, uh, something I enjoyed. So when I was seven, my mom was like, okay, this kid is very hyperactive, right? I have ADHD. I'm a very uh, high energy person. Um, somewhat Mm -hmm. scattered, you would say. Um, I I have a superpower though. My superpower is that I can obsessively focused on something that I am very passionate about. So if I'm like writing music, I can be all in on it to the point of, I lose track of time completely and I'll come back to, and I'll be like, whoa, what's happening what time is it? It's been three hours? How has it been three hours? I've just started this. But <laughs> so but it is good because I can produce a lot of music very quickly with that superpower. power. So I was a very hyperactive kid. I was one of those kids who was running around all the time, couldn't sit still, wanted to go outside constantly. And my mom was like, okay, I'm going to teach him piano. And at seven with this hyperactive kid, it didn't go so well, to be honest with you. And uh, that only lasted about three months of me trying, and I just wasn't ready yet. But when I was 10, my uh best friend at the time played piano, and he used to show off the songs he could play. And I was like, that's really cool. I want to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. So my, there's a teacher at my church who started teaching me. I progressed through her in six months. I went on to another teacher, uh, worked with them for about a year, went to another teacher, worked with them for about a year. And from the ages of about 10 to 16, um, I studied pretty intensively doing uh, piano and learning to play the piano. Uh, for my eighth grade graduation, they, they knew I played music and they asked me to perform at the eighth grade graduation. And instead of doing a, a typical thing, which would pick a piece that you know really well and play that, no, I decided I was going to write my own piece and mm-hmm. perform that instead. And so that was uh, one of the first times I performed my own music in public. Uh, I'm delighted to say I got a standing ovation for it.
0: Oh, well, there um, you go. All and right.
1: that was a thrilling moment, I think, for, for me uh, to have a couple hundred people cheering yeah. and applauding. and like, what, what's happening right now? I'm just writing music that I like <laughs> I, to do at that. that
0: moment, you were hooked.
1: <laughs> I was hooked, yes. And um, that was kind of as I progressed through high school. Um, I was homeschooled. So I did the, the thing of doing summer school for three years in a row, not because I was behind, but to get ahead. So mm. I actually graduated high school at 15 and a half
0: and wow. went into
1: college at 16. Now, I came from um, a fairly religious family. And so it was kind of a culture shock to go from – you know, basically being at home all the time to being now at a public
0: university. Right. And at such a such a young age, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I was I love music and I wanted to study it more. Um, started playing in band, of course, because everyone plays in band and they're like, you're a pianist, right? Yeah. OK, great. We're going to put you on uh, marimba or xylophone because that's the same thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's not, but uh, I, it's the same layout. So that's, that's the connection there. It looks yeah. the same as the piano. It's laid out, the keys are the same, but the way you play it with the mallets and how you hold it, it's all totally a new instrument. So I started learning percussion um, in college and, uh, playing percussion in orchestra and in band. Um, I got the opportunity to play with several orchestras in college. Um, I got to play with a a wonderful Baroque double concerto and in Baroque music, there's a continuo, which is a, a part for harpsichord and for cello. And I played on the harpsichord, which is like an older style of piano. There's not the volume changes like a normal piano. It just has a kind of a plucky sound um it just has one volume you press the key and that's it it has a little pick that plucks each string instead of being right. a hammer which changes the volume but anyways um uh, i was playing this baroque concerto and there's a couple spots where it was just the two soloists the cellist and myself and all the rest of the instruments were just silent. They're just sitting there. And you're just like, I hope I don't mess up. (laughs) (laughs) But um, that was a cool experience. Um, So I had a lot of great experiences growing up and I've always been a creative person. I always like making things. And so even as a kid, I was always trying to do that. So through college, I got my uh, bachelor's degree from California state university, Stanislaus uh, in music composition. And I was originally going to be a music education major and become a band teacher, but I quickly realized with my tension issues that a loud, noisy environment of band wasn't ideal. <laughs> and I loved writing music anyways, so getting to do what I loved and get a degree for it, that was awesome. Right. Um, right.
0: So, so then how did how did you yeah. go from, you know, this uh this more classically trained or, you know, through an education system to saying, you know what, I could do this on my own, right? Because a freelancer situation is, uh, in some cases, very overwhelming uh, to certain people, because sure. it is, you know, you're, you're kind of on your own in a lot of ways. So how did you make that jump from uh, the education system to saying, like, let me just create stuff on my own, I can do this?
1: Well, I've always was creating stuff on my own, from, from the get go, like within six months I was writing my own pieces on the piano and I could barely play at that point, but I was just keen to write. Mm -hmm. And so I was constantly doing that. I went on to get my master's degree at Texas state university after, and I got that in music composition and music theory, um, which was, and I studied more composition at that level as well. That's where I really sunk my teeth into orchestral work and getting Mm -hmm. better at that. Um, So, and then simultaneously to all of this, I got to my master's degree and, uh, for those who don't know, a higher education system for – I want to be a college professor was my goal, and to teach music theory and composition, that was what I wanted to do. But um, the way the system is right now, there's an overabundance of people who have doctorates in music and mm-hmm. who want to work in academia. And in the humanities and in the arts particularly, uh, the pay is quite low for professors, it's like 30000 A lot of times if you start, you're an adjunct, you're making less than $20,000 for – teaching three or four classes. So it's not a livable wage to be a college music professor at this right. point. And um, my professors wanted me to go on to places like Harvard or Yale or Indiana, which are great schools, but the the payment to get into them are like 500 bucks or more. And I didn't have the money at the time. I was completely broke. And mm. so I decided, um, okay, I we're going, becoming a professor doesn't seem financially viable. Um, and then I s- I had been teaching music lessons all the way through college, teaching people how to play piano is what I did. And so I moved to North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, my wife and I moved there. And um, while I was continuing to teach piano lessons, she went back to school and she had a bachelor's degree, bachelor's degree in English. And then she went on to become an aerospace engineer, um, uh-huh. which is pretty cool. Um, so the last five years, I've been teaching lessons and writing music on the side and she's been going to school. Um, so the last four years, actually I've been a YouTuber. I started a YouTube channel, not for music, which is my training, but for painting. Um, and I did a painting channel and I did about four years of that. Um, it grew slowly over time, but painting is a pretty niche thing and it's a pretty crowded space. And so I didn't see as much success in that as I wanted to. But that's again, that's entrepreneurial, right? I'm working for myself teaching piano. I'm working for myself uh, doing the YouTube thing or trying to do the YouTube YouTube thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the whole time I'd been wanting to, okay, I want to do film music. I want to do, uh, write for video games would be awesome. That would be really, really cool. And I'm going to go to the next step. But before I got to jump back to one thing. So when I was 11, I should add growing up, video games were not in the house like that was not anything that was allowed by my parents they just didn't want us wasting our time with that kind of thing yeah. uh, ironically uh <laughs> now i laugh about it um and so we didn't have access to any sort of uh gaming systems um i could play at my friend's house maybe they'd have a a game or something yeah. but um i didn't play video games that much at all it, until I was like 11 or 12, because my brother opened up a Mountain Dew bottle cap and it won an Xbox, one of the Slime Green original Xbox, only 500 of <laughs> them made. It was like nice. a tie in for the Hulk, I think, back at the very beginning of the MCU. Yeah. And we got this Xbox shipped, and my parents were like, Well, we can't really tell them no, it's here now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that was so the, the original Xbox is my first console system. And okay, we we played all the Halos, uh, a lot of Star Wars games, Knights of the Republic, Battlefield, yeah. Battlefront, all of those titles and uh, really loved that. And so my, so that was kind of my first kind of getting into having a, a system having playing playing gaming. And then um, my brother bought a 360 when that came out and we played on that as well. And then when I moved out and went to college, I didn't play as gaming as much. And then more about a Two years ago, actually, no, last year, at the beginning, um, at the very beginning of the pandemic, um, I bought a PS4 because I knew we were going to be kind of locked down. and I just right. something need do. something to do. Exactly. So uh, my wife and I started playing games on that, and I worked through a lot of the Assassin's Creed games, um, and, and so on and so forth. So the whole time during the pandemic, I think everything kind of shut down. And I kind of come to this crossroads where my wife was graduating and had a degree in engineering. Um, that was going to mean once she had a job, I was going to be a little bit more freed up financially to pursue whatever I wanted to pursue. And mm-hmm. I just like, what do I want to do next? Because I tried the YouTube thing and that didn't really work out. Um, I, I love teaching piano lessons and doing music stuff, but that it's, it's kind of grindy. It's, it's, it's the same thing all the time. You're working on the same set of skills. It doesn't matter as different students, you're sort of doing the same thing over and over again. And as a creative person that for me, I want to be always Reinventing, trying something different, trying something Right.
0: Different.
1: So I, let's see, I, I thought I would love to do video game stuff, but my computer at the time was a 2011 MacBook Air. <laughs> and it had four gigabytes of RAM. And it had about 100 gigabytes of storage space. And I had GarageBand. <laughs> and I said, well, I have a DAW. It's not the best, but I can... I, I understand how DAWs work. I can make this work. And I, and I said, I kept telling myself, I need a better computer before I can do this. And I kept putting that wall in front of me. If you can't do this until X is the someday game, right? Everyone does this right. but they go. I, I can't do it until I have this or that and the other. But it's actually a, a small lie you're telling yourself. You, you can do more than you think you can if you try. And yeah. I had to kind of get over myself and be like, you know what? Why are you playing this game? Why are you doing this? Just try. To, do some, to try to do something. So at the beginning of 2021, 20, uh, I took a course in how to how C-Sharp works, and I started to learn how that stuff worked. I started dabbling in Unity, learning how that worked. Um, and then a friend of mine who had done a Unity course recently, who was transitioning from one insurance career to a, um, a, a different career in uh, software development. Um, she had taken a course in Unity stuff because she wanted to know how it worked. And she had made this little game um, and it was called Gym Trek. And it's actually the very first game I ever scored because Mm -hmm. I knew she had this five level, pretty basic little platformer. You have a little rocket ship and you take it over and you try to land on the other platform and it turns green when you do. And there's blocks that are moving and trying to block your way. It's a little bit of a puzzler. And I'm like, this is great. And it's a game. And I can have this experience of inputting in the audio myself into this game and I can take my time with it because it's not a paid gig. It's just a me trying thing. And so I started to, I started to write music and I started implementing it and getting the coding to work. And actually, if you want to play Jim Trek, it's on my website, charleswolfmusic.com and you can play it for free in your browser. It's just five levels right now. And that's the very first game I ever did at the beginning of this year. And then i did that game and then i picked up another game and uh it's called the island of spirits by a fantastic developer named madox it's a roguelike platformer and uh, it has kind of a retro i would say not quite chiptune maybe more like 16-bit music style right. and has kind of a almost a combination of like zelda like but also um techno is kind of the combination of that that score and i wrote that And that was the first, more someone working with someone else who wasn't a friend. And from there, it sort of snowballed. Um, I did that. I did the comic book. I did another few games. And as of right now, I've worked on over 15 projects in one year. Um, And I've gained 4,000 followers on Twitter.
0: Well, that's pretty good. (laughs) So
1: I'm pretty excited. It's like I didn't think this was going to be a thing, but I realized looking back on it, there's a lot of different skills that you need to be an an indie person to be a freelancer. So like how to build a website. I learned that by doing the music stuff, music uh, lesson stuff, Um, you know, how to work with clients. Well, I also learned that from doing that as well as teaching classes at college level, working with lots of different people, Sure. um as also as a performer because i've done a lot of um uh, professional performances at like everything from coffee houses to bars to i did a seven concert series tour of a uh, regional library back in raleigh north carolina and cool. um, got to play for hundreds of people uh, live playing piano playing my own music and so all those experiences sort of led one thing after another to me going well video games are a thing i love to write music they need music let's just do this and i have a master's degree in music composition so i have a lot of training in how to write music so uh, i have a lot of experience i've been doing music for 20 years now so i just need to get the the further experience of more titles and and scoring more games and uh, i'm delighted to say that now i've worked on uh quite a number of them and i'm happy to talk more about that
0: yeah for sure well thank you for giving the the uh you know that that extensive background on kind of how you got here. It's, it's an interesting story because everyone's, you know, personal step into the industry is always very different. Yeah. Um, whereas for you, it seems, you know, you were much, much centered for the music side of things as opposed to anything really that gaming related, Yeah. which I think goes to one of my first questions is kind of like, well, what is your process? Because from an inspiration, you know, as far as like pulling things, you know, when, when you're about to start on a piece of work, Right, uh, especially like let's take you know some of the the more recent games that you've just done or you've been working on. Right, yeah. You have a lot of background in a more traditional sense of music, right? Like yeah. I think it's not uh, different in a sense of like we're still using the same type of tools to to create mm-hmm. a lot of this music, but I have you know the sense of video games, their music can often feel very different or sound very different depending on the type of game that you're you're composing for. So what exactly are you using to to Get more of that that video game feel, or to to make it feel more like it it fits the the narrative of whatever game you're building. And, and the answer might be something totally different. It might like I might be way off, and you might say like, oh, there is no difference. It's just it depends on the mood of the game or whatever. But like, what's your process look like?
1: Right. So um, whenever a game developer approaches me to have me score their game, um, I usually ask them to tell me about the game. So just what's the story like? What kind of game is it? Um, how I would score a puzzle game versus how I would score a fantasy roguelike are obviously different.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: and then I would usually ask them to say, okay, well, what are other games and other OSTs out there that are a similar vibe? Now, um, the thing as a music professional, the thing you have to be careful about is you don't want to copy someone else's melody. That's like the thing that's copyrightable. So I right. can't go and recreate the Star Wars theme. Uh, to pull from an old example, because that's obviously owned very much by by now by Disney, um, and you don't want to get sued. So the thing no. you can't do is copy someone's melody, but the instrumentation and, and the vibe, and um, in a limited sense, some of the chords even um, those can be similar because in any given uh, scale, and uh, each each piece is usually starts you start with a scale, um, a selection of notes that go together, and from those notes you can um, stack them together to build chords. And in the most basic sense, there's actually only about six chords that occur naturally, diatonically, naturally in a key. And right. so if you only have six chords to work with on a, on a very basic level, now you can add more in and make it more complicated, but keeping it simple now, we all have about six chords to work with. So how you connect them and how you um, put them together that, 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 and the exact way you do it and then how you blend the melody in, that's what's unique to each game. And it's really the melodies that are truly unique to each game or because some things will be overlapping. And there's always going to be that your inspiration is going to bleed into what you're, you're writing. Um, sure. One of my biggest inspirations is, is the music of Chopin. Now you're thinking I'm writing video game music, but I'm thinking about Chopin, but I actually am. Uh, recently, I scored um, a, an awesome game called An Amazing Wizard uh, by the game developer Jacob Dabrowski Zero on Twitter. Jacob Dabrowski Zero. And it's a roguelike Metroidvania game. And it has a sweeping orchestral score. And it has this very epic, like dark sadness that permeates um, the opening worlds to this game. And so the main theme needed to be quite dark. And what I thought of immediately was some of these Chopin preludes and the way that they're structured. And so I sort of taking from there, moved over and using the themes from the games that I had already developed, uh, sort of put the two together and, and built out a main theme it's coming from Chopin, but then pushing it into more of a video game
0: aesthetic. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I did want to talk about the genre uh, discrepancy, right? Because you mentioned it, a puzzle game is obviously going to be much different than an adventure game, right? Yeah. Do you have a, a favorite style to, to compose for, or is it more just you're interested in the project and and the process of just creating something new?
1: I'm always interested in anything new. Um, my brain is like, ooh, uh, something shiny. Let's go for that. That's just <laughs> right. how my brain works, having an ADHD. And so uh, I'm a very um, eclectic. If you go to my SoundCloud, uh, Charles Wolf Composer, you can find um, or my website you can see a lot of my music there and you'll see it's come from a wide range of genres i write a lot of um fantasy orchestral music because that's kind of in my wheelhouse the most and then branching out from there um i have solo music solo guitar solo piano um other instruments are possible um i do um chiptune stuff i can do 16-bit i can do snes i did a whole game in snes style um gba as well um, very nice. similar. Um, and then, um, I've, I can pretty much if you give me, and this is the training, um, because I took a number of, of courses and just listening to music and analyzing music by listening. If you give me a genre and I go and I listen to like 30 examples in that genre, I can then take that and then go to a, a new blank template in my, uh, in my digital workstation that I use.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I can, um, Put in the instruments that are similar to that genre, find the right synthesizer sounds that are very of that period. And then from there, you can write something new. And it's usually the timbre of the instruments, really. It's the instruments you're using and the way they blend together that really forms a genre. So for a puzzle game, you want it to be kind of a little suspenseful, usually. You want it to be kind of upbeat. Um, or maybe you want it really subdued, you can go either way with that. And you, uh, you would, you would probably sculpt a sound that was smaller because you don't want the music to be too distracting when they're trying to do heavy thinking. If I'm writing a fantasy epic where you're running along and you're doing platforming stuff and there's spiders shooting webs at you, well, then you want the music to be quite loud and epic and making you feel heroic in those moments. So the musical needs greatly change, um, (laughs) from one game to the other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating the the difference between them and the idea of being able to take those examples and then be able to say, Oh, I know these instruments. I know the general theme behind these. I can then create something from scratch really. Cause it's just interesting to me because my mind would never work that way. Um, especially where I'm at right now, you know, like maybe if I really practice and train musically, uh but not at all today that's for sure. <laughs> so it is it is a skill. It is impressive. Um but I did want to talk about how this process works from uh just a general, you know, like the logistics side of things right okay, sure. you know when I'm thinking about uh, a composer who's working on a team, and generally when people are are developing, they will at least the way it seems to me is they will often find a composer fairly early on because you want to get that kind of rolling since there's going to be a good amount uh, that you're doing in in you know the amount of levels or the amount of sound design, whatever it is. Right. but when it comes to the conversation, around a developer or someone finding you or you finding them how does that work you know is this you reaching out and and kind of spreading your your uh profile out there you know this is an example right this this episode is an example yeah. of of a form of marketing in that sense but what is it generally are you reaching out are people reaching out to you how does this work
1: so um my uh philosophy behind marketing behind um putting myself out there um, is actually very simple. Um, And this is something I figured out from doing YouTube because I also had social media related to my YouTube channel. And I have quickly realized that if you're only putting up your stuff into the world and you're only going, check my stuff out, check my stuff out, check my stuff out, you want to be doing that frequently. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. But if you're only doing that, you're not actually engaging with other people's content. It's much more likely they'll just ignore you. Hmm. But if you're actually engaging with them and you're like commenting on their stuff and you're promoting their stuff and you're taking an interest in them, then they're way more likely to come back and take an interest in you. Hmm. Um, So what I do on my Twitter, Twitter is my main way I connect with people. It's just there's a lot of developers on Twitter. Um, It's a good platform for connecting for people conversing about things. And uh, I use that as my main social media platform. Um, I do have a YouTube channel that I put music up onto, but that's not my focus. My focus is Twitter. And Mm -hmm. I will do a number of things. Um, Actually, this is a call to action for all the indie developers listening. Um, I host two uh, share threads. Every week, I host a Wishless Wednesday share thread, which you can come and share your Wednesday Wednesdays with me. And I retweet pretty much everybody. There's every once in a while, I won't retweet something if it's just not quite the right content. But if it's an indie game and it's an indie developer, I mostly retweet everybody. And mm-hmm. I'll do that on Wednesdays. And then on Saturdays for Screenshot Saturday, that big hashtag, I'll do a share thread for that. Um, last week, I had over 90 developers share their games with me. And oh, nice. so that's a really cool way for me to be engaging with the community and boosting their games because people need to see these games people that people put a lot of heart and soul into them and some of them are, are truly impressive how much people can do with just one developer yeah. and i work with a lot of solo developers that's primarily my people i work with up to this point um Totally open to work with small studios and, and bigger teams. I would love to do that, but uh, I'm not quite there yet. So um, uh, mostly solo yeah. developers right now. And that's awesome because you can still turn out a really cool game if you set your limits and you know what you can handle. And um, so that's one way. I also do a Follow Friday shout out, and I'll shout out like 50, 60 people. And that's my way of kind of reaching out to the community. And then I have my website. People can check out, and they can learn more about my rates and how I, and all of that, and then they can just email me or DM me on Twitter. My DM is wide open. And right. if you want me to score your game, yeah, hit me up. I would love to hear about it.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's a lot of, you know, give and take uh, is the the obvious answer to this, right? That's it's the like obvious if answer, you're yeah. if you're going to try to promote yourself, you also have to promote others cuz then that will be more likely reciprocated. Um you mentioned that you're working mostly with solo developers, but that you would still be open to, you know, smaller teams or or what have you to work with them. Uh, is there a specific team or a game series that like, you know, let's go pie in the sky, right? Like a series that you would want to work for or something that you've thought of and been like, it'd be great if I could make music for this specific team or this specific game.
1: Um. I really like the work. Like one of my favorite games right now, to play with my wife is Overcooked Two. Yeah. So the um, I'm blanking on the exact name. I think it's Chucklefish. I could be wrong about that.
0: The, uh, uh, for Overcooked, go. I think. Well, I don't even know because I, for some reason, Team Seventeen is coming to me. Yeah, that's the the publisher Team Seventeen, but the actual developer. Oh no, is is Team 17 as well and Ghost Town Games. I'm getting That's right it. On.
1: That's it. Yeah, so Team 17, that's that's it. that would be amazing to work on one of their games. Um I just like the slightly smaller scope that they tend to go for, but they're really fun and I like the multiplayer aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um that's why I play Overcooked and Overcooked 2 because it's it's fun to just to try to, you know, not burn everything in the kitchen. and uh, cause mayhem but uh something like that that's kind of where i'm I'm starting that would be my sort of my next step trying to get up into some of those small not that's pretty big but you know not to be the highest highest tier but i am i'm excited to just see how the journey happens um, and to work with anybody really um i'm i would love to work with um small i've worked with a few small small teams like two or three people but getting into bigger, even bigger teams, um, it's how you move up. So just by doing more work and putting myself out there, I, I hope that I will be able to slowly ladder up into bigger, bigger, cooler projects. You
0: know, Right, right. And I, I wanted to ask you this because this is something that, based on the way you, you've been talking about yourself and how you are a person that always wants to be working on something new and you have a very creative mindset. Let's say Team 17 is like, Charles, we got to have you. Come on board but then you're specifically slatted to a contract and you're part of that team, right? Is that something you would want or are you a person who wants to be like specifically freelanced?
1: Um, it, it all depends on um, sort of the specifics of the contract, to be honest with you. Yeah,
0: me. yeah, 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 I'm sure. Um,
1: so the card would be like just and in an abstract. Um, but I am also... Um, if I could if I could command the, the right rates, then absolutely I would be fine with having a dedicated team that I was working for and writing music exclusively for. That doesn't right. bother me at all because I'm still going to be getting interesting projects and, and getting um, to work on something. Just the having – I always wrote music anyways. Like music writing was happening regardless if I have a project or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been developing game music asset packs recently, and I've made about uh, six or seven of them now and that's in between projects i'm doing this so i'm always writing music and to have it have a purpose to have it actually be going into someone else's project and and i hope making it way cooler um that is that's that's just brings me joy it's so cool when i get to see the the finished level and the music's going and everything's working together and it's just like ah oh, it, it there's something about adding music and adding a score just immediately takes the energy level up a notch in a game yeah and uh, it's just exhilarating
0: yeah that's uh, i mean i totally agree uh i want to know and this is probably going to be very different because every song is uh, a unique creation there's different lengths there's d- different complexities how long uh, on average is like a project for you you know how long does it take to create this work
1: Um, so I, the way I have my, my model set up is I just charge on a track by track basis and I charge by duration. So, um, I have it set up right now so that you, you, there's a certain amount for 30 seconds of music, and then you can tell me how long you want each track to be. And then uh, I will typically for a game at the very bare minimum, if you're just making like a a demo, if you're any developer making a demo, you probably want about five to six tracks, um, at minimum. And so that's the way you want to start with. And each track could be, I don't know, two minutes would be a good length, kind of an average length. And for one, I write very quickly. Um, once I have an idea and I know the instrumentation and the genre I'm working in, um, I can turn out a two minute track in, I would say, probably two sessions, two, two hour sessions. Wow, uh, in that's first quick. Two hours, First two hours I would be like actually writing the music and doing some like light mixing. And then the second two hours will be like more intensive mixing and um, and then going in and um, audio editing it so that because I all the music I write right now, a lot of it is uh, static looping. Um, yeah. I would love to get more into adaptive stuff and I have um, some background in that and know, do have the knowledge to expand into that. But um, just the level on that right now, I'm doing mostly static loops, which is totally fine with me. So at the end of a track, it has to go right back to the beginning. So it keeps playing and it has this kind of endless feel. So what you have to do is at the end of your audio track, when you're looking at the actual audio there, when it's exported outside of your, your digital workspace where you write the music, um, I have to go to the front and the end of it and just make sure it goes down to zero, to zero it out, the, the, the volume. That way it doesn't go pop and click and snap. Right. Yeah. If you have any tracks that are doing that, someone messed up and didn't actually make sure that the front and the back are <laughs> at zero, <laughs> truly at zero. That way there's no sizzling and popping and all that. So I'll go in and do that as well. Um, and then I usually send it off to the developers and then they're the ones who actually do the implementation. Um, most of the time I do have, like I said, I know how to do C sharp. I know how unity works. Uh, I'm going to be expanding into C soon and looking more into unreal. Cause that's the other big one. But, um, the, but a lot of times these developers, you know, it's their code. They know how it works. Um, I write the music for them, send it off to them and then they handle the implementation. Um, right. therein, and that works quite well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, a f- very interesting process. And thank you for taking us through all of this. I do have one yeah. final question for you. Um, but obviously, thank you so much for coming on and sharing uh, a little bit more of the composer light for us today. Yeah, I always like to hear advice from those that are in the indie space. And I think especially because, you know, we we have you as the, the composer to talk about, uh, you know, working on video games, whether it's, you know, how to connect with these folks or things that are probably pertinent that help you in your day-to-day, you know, what's yeah. some tips or some things you've learned along the way that you think would help someone who's just getting started?
1: Okay. Um, if you're just getting started writing music and you want to get into the space of um, writing music for video games or just writing music in general, um, what I would suggest is to go. Um, there's a really great website. Um, it is open... Th- openmusictheory.net and and it has a bunch of music theory articles and um, there's something called um, species counterpoint and this is an old thing this is from like the renaissance uh, early baroque period so this Mm -hmm. is from the 1500s into the 1600s and what this is it's basically melodies set against melody it's counterpoint you're putting one note one point against another point and there is sort of a rule set behind um, certain distances between the notes are acceptable and other distances are not. And so, and then if you have an unacceptable dissonance, an unacceptable uh, distance between the two notes, you have to resolve it in a very particular way. And so, there's a whole rule set, guidelines that you follow to write these two melodies against each other. So, that's actually a really great way to practice writing music at a very basic level. You're only writing two lines of music. Um, and that's it and you can start with that and then you can go on to ta- learn how chords what kind of chords there are major chords minor chords augmented diminished seventh chords ninths eleventh thirteenths all of these and then how you can learn about chord function how do f- chords relate to each other how do you transition smoothly um you can look into arrangement how do you arrange music so at a very basic level um understanding some music theory is helpful. Um I use music theory all the time in what I do um, because I have looked at a lot of classical music. Uh, when I was growing up, I, I didn't have like a favorite rock band like most people do or a favorite <laughs> pop band. I listened to a lot of classical music. I listened a lot to Chopin and Beethoven and Mozart and Dvorak and Shostakovich. These are the, the people I think of when I'm thinking of music I want to listen to. Um, <laughs> I know I'm a little strange that way. But... Uh, the. uh So just looking at their music, how do they handle certain things and then applying it forward. But yeah, learning a little bit of basic music theory as a starting place can really make it easier and you can write faster. That's why I'm able to turn out music within two or three hours is because I understand sort of how music, the system works. And Mm -hmm. then I can just, how do I want to play with the system today, basically.
0: Right, right. It turns it into a little bit more of a, a formulaic process then.
1: And then if I can branch off into a non-music thing, um, if you're going to become a game uh, composer, uh, get good at, um, yeah, be active on social media. Everyone always says this, but if you can find a way to engage people, like I said earlier, that's key. Um, you know, always be putting yourself out there um, it's okay if it's not perfect. Uh, you're not going for perfect. You're just going for a high average, right? So not every piece of music to buy first right is it epic and perfect and just what I want it to be. A lot of times it's okay. And with some yeah. polishing and with some uh, coercing and <laughs> massaging it into place, it gets better. Um, right. And the, the thing you want to work on when you're trying to uh, learn to be a composer is just practice. It's it's kind of silly, but the most skill sets and as a skill, like anything else, is just work at it. You'll get better with time just by doing it. So do it. It's like the Nike thing, right?
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> I um, definitely recommend that, and a lot of people have said it before. And it, it seems so obvious, and like kind of like a why are you really saying that? But it's true. Like sometimes it's just doing it. Like, it's mm-hmm. just getting out there and starting. You mentioned it before about that that game you were playing of like, oh, I need to get a better laptop to do X, Y, Z, and I don't want to start yet. But it was really just the the act of saying like, okay, you know what? I can't wait anymore. Like, I should just jump into this. And And sometimes taking that leap is really all you need. And then it will just spiral into you know, whatever uh, consumes you, whether that be something, you know, that that you're very passionate about or something that you're just practicing at and getting better at. Um, you just kind of got to get out there.
1: Exactly. And it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I was on that old uh, Mac uh, laptop at the beginning of the year, but because I got one project and then another, I actually was able to um, purchase a much more high-end uh, desktop now that I work on mm-hmm. and was able to upgrade my DAW, upgrade Pretty much everything, my the music libraries that I use are now professional grade. Uh, and, and it's all because of just snowballing one thing into another. So really, right. the hardest part is getting the first game to score. Even if you have to make it yourself, and even if it's very small, like five levels, that's enough to get started to show that, hey, I can write music for a game. Here's the game. That's how I started. And then from there... People will start to notice, and it does take time. It can be grindy, but if you keep at it, oftentimes things will work itself out.
0: Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, for those listening, Charles Wolf is currently working on composing for projects such as Paladin's Oath, An Amazing Wizard, Boulder Mage, uh, a whole bunch of others. But if you're interested in reaching out for a project of your own or just a chat, you can head over to their website, uh, charleswolfmusic.com or on Twitter at cwolfmusic. Once again, Charles, thank you so much for joining today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was amazing.